I have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun. Every day we rise like the sun. We fight till the battle is won. Can you hit Good evening and welcome to another edition of On Another Level. I'm your host, Sharon Henson, also producer of this program and a BNN producer and the president of the Boston Media Producers Group, which replaced the Boston Neighborhood Producers Group because we have to include all sorts of media. This evening, I have an amazing, dynamic, visionary, black woman, black queen, who's doing the thing for the people. Sisters doing it for ourselves. She is the founder and executive director of New Beginnings Reentry Services Program. She's going to be here with me this evening on Another Level Live. We may take some phone calls. I don't know. You know, you guys know who I am, and you know how I do. We start talking, and we could talk a dog off a meat wagon. Of course, we don't have dogs tonight, and we don't have a meat wagon, but we do have some interesting information for you to chew on. Do you know anyone that's incarcerated? Do you have anyone who's incarcerated? Were you one of those people? Do you have members of your family? Are they a woman? Are they about to get out, trying to get out, used to get out, need help and getting out and staying out? The New Beginnings Reentry Services Program may be for you. And Stacy Borden, founder and executive director of New Beginnings in Roxbury, may be the person you need to talk to here on another level. And we'll be right back. I started masking in, in California and we would hold these events where we wanted to have a ball. We wanted to do sort of like the Victorian thing, but we didn't want people to come with masks on. We wanted people to show their faces instead of hide their faces. And so we decided just to paint on our faces and that would be our mask. We started to realize that this is something that's universal, that's been practiced by humans for as long as humans have been humans. You know, they say the first paintings weren't on the walls of caves, but were on ourselves. And so we were tapping into this really ancient, powerful practice. And when I left California and I went back to the East Coast, I really was missing that culture and that community and that powerful art form. So I decided to just start doing it here. I did a project called Month of the Mask where I masked myself every day for a month. And that was just like a totally relevatory experience for me. And I learned so much not only about myself, but about my world and my relationship to my world and kind of my calling in a way. So the next step was to try to bring this artwork to other people since it had been so profound for me. And so that was the year of the Mask Project where I used it as a platform to tell people stories. And now with this masquerade ball, it's almost like a like a culmination of now bringing this to my entire community. That was from 2017, but here in 2022, the mask ball will be appearing from 2 until 7 p.m. at the Arnold Arboretum, um, July 9th. It's a large-scale celebration of ritual performance and cross-cultural arts featuring the diverse artistry of Boston's communities of color. You can go to massqball.com, M-A-S-S, 
S-Q-B-A-L-L.com and register is music, entertainment, interactive, and it's all the way through the Arnold Arboretum, July 9th from 2 to 7 p.m. So that was interesting information for you. Hopefully you wrote it down. Another piece of interesting information is the services that we have in Boston, in Roxbury, in the hood, for our people. One of those such programs is the New Beginnings Reentry Services Program, created, founded, envisioned, and now effectuated, because there's a house. There's actually a house where women can come to in Boston on Gaston Street, but just anybody can't come, although, we know there is specific clientele that we need, that we want to be able to help, to be able to be restored back to our community who may have been recently incarcerated or who um, desire the services that the organization has or who are still incarcerated and will be getting out soon and will need these services. So let me welcome my wonderful guest. I call her Queen Stacy Borden. Queen, how are you doing, Stacy? Welcome in. She's here on Zoom because she's recovering from COVID. Come on in, Stacy. Hi, Sharon. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm healing. You're looking great. I know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You look good for someone who's yeah. recovering from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going on a week. So tell me, so you and I, I mean, we've been talking all day today. So, yeah. but for those people who don't know, because your mm -hmm. program is relatively new. Um, who is this program for? We said it's new beginnings, so that kind of says it's new beginnings for people who need new beginnings, re-entry services, and it's for women, correct? Correct. Yeah, so the focus is really right now is 10 beds in-house and up to 18 months, and the focus is really looking at the state prison, Framingham Prison, and on the federal level. We know that both uh, carceral systems are um, systems that women are sentenced the longest. And so they're ready for this level of care. And we also know that we haven't had anything for women coming back to the community such as this, uh, coming out of both of those um, penitentiaries. So now you, so tell us about the um, New Beginnings Reentry Services. You work in partnership with community agencies and to empower and provide supportive services to formerly incarcerated women. I'm reading this because I want you guys to understand they have their stuff together. They've got websites. Hello. To successfully yeah. rejoin the communities, NBRS, which is New Beginnings Reentry Services, rejoins, addresses the critical issues of education, physical and mental health, as well as personal development through programs and services. Programs and services. How did you come up with this idea? Like, where did this come from? Did you go to sleep one night and you figured, oh, I'm going to start a program. I know that this is deep within your spirit and deep within your heart, but I want our viewers and our listeners to know this is who Stacey Borden is. This is who NBRS New, Ent New Beginnings Reentry Services are. This is yeah. what they have, and this is how it relates to me. Because people can get involved in different ways. They can support it. They can donate it. They can come out to the gatherings that we're going to have in August, um, yeah. some of the celebrations that we have, and some of the programs. Some people will be in the house, and some people can get services from outside of the house. But how did you come up with this vision? Where did it come from? So it came and did. It came from deep. It came from my own personal experience of going in and out of Framingham Prison for decades. Mm. You know, my 
my trauma started very early and my prison sentences started very early and they mm. didn't stop until very late. And so, you know, this last bout coming out of that uh, penitentiary in 2010, I, I call it a maturated moment, I guess. The women in there really raised me. They had been raising me over the years. But it just seems like, Sharon, every time I got out, there was just not, no resources. There was only go to state parole and that was it. Or go, you know, nowhere. Go take a urine. You know, there just wasn't anything that really was um, resourced to help me navigate back into the community and family. You know, my intentions was right. Most of our intentions are always right when we want to get home back to our families. But, you know, when you're dealing with trauma and for some addiction, we don't realize that that really comes right back as soon as you come back to community. If there's nothing else there to feed your soul or to feed your spirit or give you any motivation or transformation, you normally go back to your behaviors and you end up right back into the penitentiary. And so that for me started uh, while I was in with the women that were um, raising me. And what I noticed was, you know, we needed some whole bunch of different elements, a whole bunch of different resources. But when I came home and started developing New Beginnings Reentry Services, I realized that we can't hold them all, and not all women need to be in a program. Mm -hmm. Some women are wrapping their senses. Some of them have husbands and families and mothers and homes to go to. And so I still believe that we needed some form of service. And so we did twofold. One 10-bed program in-house for women who didn't have that element to go to. And two... How about we provide services to the women in the community, women that are coming home and women that have already been home that really hadn't had these type of resources and service that, services that we're willing and able to provide them. So we service up to 60 women in the community. And we, you know, through a whole array of services, we partnership with a whole bunch of organizations uh, and we do in-house stuff that they're willing or able to come into the home for certain occasions, like art element, like our theater, like our, you know, partnerships that we hired and partnered with um, actresses and organizations that will come in and provide those type of services so our women in the community could come in and receive those type of services as well. Healing circles, playback theater, storytelling, creative writing, you know, those type of things. And, and again, um, I just slipped and said one of the beautiful things that we have is a theater in the basement. And so really touching on how we target trauma through the world of art therapy, drama therapy, and psychodrama therapy. So now you told us a little bit about your history, but you actually are educated. So let people know that you have credentials. You're not just... Uh... <clears throat> blowing smoke, and that the NBRS New Beginnings Reentry Services is local, inclusive, and supportive of women who seek to make better lives, fabulous women who overcame incarceration. We look forward to bringing more of our services home and guiding formerly incarcerated women and girls into their grace, greatness, into their greatness, www.newbeginningsreentryservices.org. You work to remove barriers, caused by incarceration, 
and build alliances to create positive changes in policies that negatively impact women involved in the criminal legal system. And like I said, I know you. That's from the Facebook page, y'all. So they got it going on, okay? When I know you, and I've known you for a while, and a lot of people don't know that my father was formerly incarcerated. And so my first memories of my dad were going to visit him in prison. And I was two. And I remember saying to my mother, you know, how come daddy's not coming home with us? And most people don't understand that the majority of women who are incarcerated are somebody's mother. So you're not only incarcerating these women, you're actually putting their families in the situation. Now I'm gonna come to you with a hard question, but not one that you don't know and you haven't heard. There are people out there that figure, well, good. You did the crime, you should do the time. It's your fault. You should have pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. All the negative things that people say not realizing that these people are not going away forever. The majority of people will come back home and you are trying to restore them back to the community. But what does that mean? When someone comes out, especially if they've been in for a long period of time, what is that readjustment? What is that new beginning? What does that reentry actually need and what does it look like? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really tough when you're growing up in a cage, when you're trying to process the trauma. And some, for some women have early trauma, some women have trauma that just happened right before their transgression as how they ended up in a cage. So I want us to imagine that. Imagine a woman sitting in a cage trying to really channel that type of negative energy and now you're in a negative atmosphere trying to heal. Prisons don't give us that. Prisons mm -hmm. will never be a place, as my mentor Andrea James always says, it's never a place to heal. They don't have those type of services. It's a, it's a punal, uh, punishing, um, punitive system. We've been so indoctrinated in believing that you do the time, do the crime, and if you've harmed someone and caused harm in the community, they really are saying, Go do the time. And I want to say that what people really don't understand is it labeled itself Department of Corrections. You're supposed to go in and get some correction, mm. some rehabilitation. And the more that we think about crime and punishment and you do the time, the victims' families are holding on to the same pain. They're not healing either as long as somebody's in prison. When we could really do something different, we have an opportunity to change that because there's no solutions in it either way. There's no solutions in someone going in there to get punished. They're coming out the same. They haven't gotten any services. They're still in pain. They're still hurting. Whatever they, reason they cause a transgression hasn't got any services or help mm. mentally. There's no type of trauma-informed care. There's no psychological services. There's none of that. It's a negative, brutal atmosphere. Now, mm -hmm. some will say, good for them. They deserve it. Well, possibly so. In those eyes of that person who believes that because they haven't healed themselves from the pain that was caused to them. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we handle that in a community? How long do I want to hold on to the pain that someone caused me and my family and I'm going to live with that the rest of their life? 
Well, you're going to live with that the rest of your life anyway. Because it doesn't, either way, experiences doesn't go anywhere. It's about how do you heal it on that end and how do you heal it on this end. So what were some of the services that you needed? Um, how, how long were you inside, locked up? And then what did you need to adjust to when you came back out? Now, I, I remember um, watching this um, video. I, I don't remember if it was on TikTok or Instagram or something. But this young woman was saying, she was in for four years, and she said that people don't realize you go into this time warp bubble and life is moving on past you. And so for people that have been locked up for a while, things that we take for granted, like Instagram or TikTok or um, texting people, they don't know what you're talking about. Or even right. just the pace of society or even the clothes that people are wearing. I mean, it's painfully obvious that you've been out of society, but then it, 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 it gets tweaked again because you're trying to fit in to be productive. People want you to come out and get a job. They want you to come out and get in a, a place to stay. They want you to be able to shop. I mean, if you're coming, if you're coming, from, coming out from inside, you may not necessarily even know how much automation has taken over in the shopping, you know, where you've got automatic stuff and you're scanning stuff as opposed to a person. So what is it that you had to adjust to? I think I want us to, if I could even go back, because that, that question was even the last question. I don't think I answered it, but I want us to really imagine someone, I, my last sentence was three years, but I had been going in and out for 30. I've been mm. going in and out of there since 1982. Wow. I just didn't have any type of services and any mental health help, right? And so mm. coming out, you're in a cell with quiet time, you're down there with downtime, you're really reflecting a whole bunch of stuff, and it's almost like you're trying to do all this healing on your own. But again, that's in there. Now, what happens if somebody did 10 years, or 20 years, or 47 years? That coming out and trying to acclimate, imagine trying to get a job. Well, what type of skill sets did you get in prison? What type of jobs? I mean, we're just now saying, yeah, well, if you got a job in there, might have been mopping the floors or going in the institution and sewing or making license plates. Really? Well, we could use that. You have you develop some skill sets, but to go in a real employment section or mm -hmm. agency where you're around a whole bunch of people that you just came from a cell by yourself for all them years, right. it's not an easy transition. And some would say, yeah, well, we should be housing them so they don't recidivate. And I'm like, really? Well, they were housed in a prison. Mm. They know how to really come out and buy food, how to cook, what, you know, how to even navigate getting to the grocery store. Let's even start and back up again. How, what about having, having any type of funding or you know, living alone with no structure. Now you don't have anybody to tell you to stand for count. You don't have anybody telling you when to go eat, when you can't eat, when to sit on a toilet. Matter of fact, the toilet's right in a cell. We're talking about someone who lived in a two, a five by nine cell for years. Mm. And now you want them to be housed on their own. Well, I've experienced that with some of our clients and they prefer to sleep underneath the bed mm. because they just didn't know how to receive that. So. I'm not saying we don't deserve housing and employment, but more so we need some mental health services, some trauma-informed care, mm -hmm. some balance, even to let families know that no, we shouldn't be going right home because 
people can't often take the noise. Of course, family wants to love you, and you know they're like, Stacey, you are right. Stacey, you want some food? Stacey, and really, Stacey just found herself out of isolation, and now I'm in with all this noise. Mm. So we're saying, bring them in. Bring them in to learn the basis of reintegration. Give them some little solitude and step by step through group thera- therapy, through individually counseling, through, you know, really bringing them in a little at a time with 10 other women and navigate them back into family. Have visits on the weekends. You know, learn how you go shopping. Look, what does an application look like? You said it. They don't know nothing about TikTok and cell phones and texting. And we often talk about Facebook, one of the biggest social mm. media. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Do we even want to blast people out there on there like that because they just came home? Everybody wants to go see them. Or some people don't want to see them at all. Mm. Let's even talk about that. How does, how does it feel that our community don't even want us to come back to our community? That was a fight in itself to even get those doors open. It took us two years fighting with our own community to say, who are you, developer? Why are you coming in our neighborhood trying to open up a reentry program? We don't want nobody in. That was like, we don't want that in our backyard. Mm-hmm. We know they and have really to go someplace, to, but we don't want them right here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so I mean, there's a let's lot get back of to you. Let's get back to you, because I know you have degrees and everything. Tell people who you are. Tell them who I am? Yes, ma'am. You have degrees. You have you actually know what you're talking about from experience, <laughs> but you actually got educated to it too. Well, you know, I came out of prison. Honestly, I came out and I said if I I had the thought while I was in the cell. I was seeing women coming back in after doing 30 years in prison and coming back in three months. And I couldn't process that. Like there was just nothing out here. And I knew that because I had kept coming out and going back in. And so developing this was in my head. Really coming out, I said, you know, how do I even understand what happened to me mentally? What what happened to my young childhood? What happened to my adolescent person who was full of life and love and exploration? Well, that was interrupted through sexual abuse. You know, I had a rape at 18. I had early childhood sexual trauma. And that brought me in and out of the prison system, and I knew that coming out, I needed to understand what is trauma? Why do people keep talking about we have all this mental health stuff going on? What does that really mean? That kind of makes you feel degraded, like not normal. And so I needed to go to school. And I promised myself when I got out, I was going to go and try to get a master's degree so I could really show the judge that if I'm going to advocate for a woman, I need to show them that we can get out and we can be educated and we can do something different. And if it, it would have to stop with me. So two things, I need to understand trauma and addiction because that was me. And I wanted to show judges that we can get out and with the services and with the help and someone guiding us, we can go in and become educated and not recidivate. We didn't have to come back in and harm our community. We didn't have to come back in and hurt families and, and basically leave our children to be separated. So and you so have a master's can, degree. I have a master's degree in mental health counseling and I have, I'm certified in trauma informed and I'm licensed as a uh, drug abuse counselor. And there we go. 
And so that is Stacy Borden. She is the founder and executive director of New Beginnings Reentry Services Program here in Boston for women, formerly incarcerated women. You are looking at this edition of On Another Level. We want to bring your consciousness and your understanding to another level. We're going to show you a clip of another program that is helping women who are formerly incarcerated. And stay tuned. Don't go get a sandwich. Or if you do, come bring it right back and bring a pen and a pencil and take notes. You're on another level. And we'll be right here on Channel 23, BNN Media. Mary Henderson Uloho, U-L-O-H-O. How y'all doing, my brother? Assalamu alaikum, my little brother. Thank you. How y'all doing today? You ladies go through a lot, more than what anybody could ever imagine. And y'all do it with a lot of courage. Now, all of you, you're beautiful. And I need you to feel good about yourselves. We're gonna start in this corner here. And I want you to just introduce yourself and tell me something good about you. Well, my name is Teresa, and um, something good about me. Um, I'm a good mother. Beautiful. Come on with it. Give me some of you. Give me some of you. Uh, my name is Yasmeek Washington. I've been in the pimping and hoeing game since I was 14. Well, give me a good. Give well, me a good. I'm you loving. Know? I'm caring. I'm very loyal until you cross me. Okay. Talk to me back there. Share with me. with me. Hi, my name is Tawanda. I'm a beautiful black African-American female. I'm loving Could you Kyrie. say that one more time? I'm a beautiful black African-American woman. I love that. I have a passion for people. I have five kids. And um, at the age 12, I was told I wasn't going to be Mountain nothing. Come on. Another day. Okay. Okay. We're good. All right. Now, ladies, let me share something with you. There was a time in my life when I didn't feel there was any good in me at all. And the reason for that is because I was sitting on that side where you guys are today, not so long ago. So during my many days behind bars, I had to go inside myself and find something good about me because I felt like trash. When I got out of prison, I had nowhere to go. I could not rent an apartment because I was a felon, 
You can't get a job. You can't get a bank account. You can't get a credit card. You're not allowing me to have the tools that I need to sustain myself out here in society. And as a woman, I had to think about my safety in a way that a man wouldn't have to. I didn't know what to do. I was alone. I was scared. I had no one. I knew there were women that was coming home from prison that was in the same boat that I was in. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, everybody. Time to wake up. They didn't have a place to stay. How did sleep they didn't feel safe. They couldn't make money. Really? They felt like I felt. And that's when I realized this is a real big problem. And that's where Sister Hearts really started. Let me see your face. Good morning. OK, look, let's, everybody, let's start helping set the table. OK, we need some plates. I got it. She was so happy. That was really interesting. It's a blessing to be out of it. So, you know we have a uh, reunion this weekend. She's going to be okay. here. You're going to be here, right? She don't have a choice. You're coming back. If not, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> she probably heard about it. Sister Hearts is a thrift store and a temporary housing facility specifically for ex-offenders to transition back into society. It may only take a week. It may just take a month or up to a year. But I'm going to make sure that you have a place to stay and a job. It's not just the physical incarceration that causes damage. It takes time to adjust back to society. Because a lot of us have been away for a long time. When I got out of prison, I needed to be rehabilitated. I needed help. You see, in prison, you're broken, mentally, emotionally, and physically. That's what prison does. It breaks people. I was brutalized, and I saw so much suffering. I used to close my eyes, and I would always see myself in nature. I would see the trees all around me feel the sun shining on my face. I would hear the wind as it ruffled the leaves in the trees. And I would always think what it would feel like if I could just leave this place. Thirteen years out of my life, I spent 
behind bars. And over half that time I spent in solitary. They used shame to keep my mind caged. They said I wasn't going to be nothing. I wasn't nothing. I wasn't OK? As an ex-offender myself, I'm here to prove no matter what you're going through, you are going to all rise above it. Sister Hearts, how can I help you? This is Mary speaking. OK, well, first, we're located at 7519 West Judge Perez in Araby. This all started when I was homeless, living as a squatter, selling junk out of a suitcase from street corner to street corner as a means to survive. No one regarded me as even a person. Just take this, and you're going to clean that off. And then let's just start going through some there. As ex-offenders, we are a group of people that have been discarded by society. Oh, you examined Yeah. They're nice. So we relate to those discarded items. We relate to that trash. Teresa, how much you think these should be? Those right there, they're a little worn, but they still have a little more wearing to go. $4. That would be straight with the $4. No more, no less. So give me an idea on these four. On those four, if I was to do all four of those, I probably would have uh, 12 bucks. 12? Yeah, $3 smart. each. That is smart. Who is the 92ers? I have no idea. All right. Maybe you should Google it. Oh, yeah. Google 1992 caps. Here's what I found on the web for 1992 caps. I don't think I did that right. OK, who got a better Google than me? I do, but okay. mine doesn't talk. That's all you think about all this, the backside. In prison, you're told what to do almost 24 hours a day. When your brain is under that type of discipline year after year, you lose the ability to think on your own. So we have created an environment to teach people how to think again. I pick a section of the store that's cluttered, and they completely reorganize that section by themselves. And they also set the prices. The shorts is $2.99 and up. The highest is going to be is like $5, OK? So you don't ever Now they're starting to learn the dynamics of customer service. If you don't get it, I'm going to get it. And it works. It really works, because you start to think about your own value. And as ex-offenders, we need that. You need help, ma'am? The table? You want to know how much it costs? They have purpose. They're part of something. They can redefine who they are as an ex-offender.
I'm not down here to put you down, to look down on you, to talk down on I ain't here for none of that. What I'm doing is trying to make a way for you out there so when you do get out there and you say, I want a better life, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, all y'all got to remember is sister hearts. Sister hearts. Y'all need each other, y'all call up on each other. You're not alone. You don't have to fight this battle by yourself no more. Y'all got help. We here. We don't let nobody break this bond in this circle. This is what's called one love. Y'all get it? All right. Sister Hearts for Life. Sister Hearts for Life. Sister Hearts for Life. When I was in prison, I met a lot of wonderful women. Those women was with me when I was lonely when I was hurting, when I was frustrated. Those women gave me comfort. And I call those women my sister hearts. I was sentenced to two and a half years for a marijuana charge. When you go back into society, you have to start all over again. So many things has changed, you have to catch up with the times. My son and my daughter, they was like five and seven, and when I come home, they was like 24, 27 years old. It was scary learning how to adjust back out in society, but I haven't been in no other kind of trouble at all. I was incarcerated for 25 years. Nothing takes the actual pain away from doing the time. It hurts. It really hurts. It's, it's, it messes you up. Still hard, I'm still struggling, but I'm free. We're not depending on society to rehabilitate us. We have taken the reins to rehabilitate ourselves. We came from death, which was prison, to life. And that's what Sister Heart is for me. It's life. What I want to do with my life is to help other ex-offenders really live. I want them to feel how wonderful they are. I want them to know they matter. Just because they've committed a crime, they're no less of a human being. They can regain their dignity. They can be successful after incarceration. We thank the Sister Hearts program. That video was about another program helping women to be restored to society, coming back. They're our family. These are our daughters, our mothers, our sisters, our grandmothers, our cousins. This is family. So welcome back. 
on another level. You didn't really go anywhere if you were really into that clip. And because you didn't, I've still got a treat for you. I've got two people now, not just one. I have Ms. Stacy Borden, Queen Stacy, the founder and executive director of New Beginning Reentry Services Program, and also Leon Rock, all the way from Washington, D.C., who helped, um, who helped uh, Stacy actually begin her program, start her program. He's been working with her from, uh, for about six years now, and then more, because he's actually, he knows everyone there. Stacy, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was introducing Leon. Maybe he thought we couldn't get back to him, but, but we will if we can. But, you know, we've only got a few moments left. Um, so we talked about, you couldn't really see that clip, but a lot of people could see that clip. It was actually talking about people in a program, uh, Sister Hearts, that actually talks about what it's like to readjust back to society. Um, Let's talk about the outreach and the actual services that you can give in the program and the ones that you can give if you're not in the house, but you can gain uh, information and resources and services being connected to the program. How does that look and how does somebody get in touch with you? So that's a good question. Um, we have our website, www.newbeginningsreentryservices.org. Well, we also have the self, the um, office phone is 617-299-2191. So the array of services that we have is, again, twofold. In-house, we have, you know, uh, substance abuse counseling. We have four groups a day. We have individual uh, sessions for the women. But we also have the educational part where we've partnered with Boston College where they can take a free course for a semester and learn business entrepreneurship. They might have an idea, they might have already a business plan where they can go in and execute that plan, learning more about what in business entrepreneurship is. We've also partnered with Tufts University where the individual outside the program or inside the program can go in and take a nine-month course with my turn program. Professor Binder and um, P.D. Green really partnered with that, with um, Lynn Sullivan, who is a lifer, who really put that together for women or formerly incarcerated people to come in and do the nine-month course with a paid stipend and 12 credits toward their college education if they decide to go further. In saying that, that's to say if they complete the course successfully, they can go on and get their associates at Bunker Hill Community College. Now, what we just did miraculously is partnered with Clark University out of Worcester. They are willing to give us, our formerly incarcerated people, bachelor's degree. No uh, financial aid, no student loans, no nothing. Two days in person, two days online. We're working on that. The other part of the educational services we, are, um, we have is computer literacy. We have two computers that um, we are learning how to navigate computer literacy, but we also gave um, laptops and iPads out. So women that didn't have one or couldn't access the computers in program, we have them able to access it so they can get on and learn computer literacy. We also partner with the Financial um, Federal Housing Lender Bank, 
that is coming in two days a month to teach us financial literacy. Some of us never had a bank account. Some of us don't know what our credit looks like. Some of us, you know, don't even have credit and, and, and will learn how to open up your checking and savings account, how to really navigate and clean up credit or start developing credit. Mm -hmm. All toward home ownership. What does that look like? So that's just the educational piece, Sharon. We have an array of services. As I said, we have um, the theater. We have actresses and um, directors of their own, um, you know, playwright or some of these um, actresses that write and direct plays also come in to our place and do healing circles and fun stuff. Like we just had last week a young woman, Melissa Nussbaum, that came in and she's an actress and has her own organization that helps in the theater part of um, targeting trauma. She does playback theater. Now mm -hmm. what does that mean? That means that you get a chance to tell your story and your sister next to you articulates it in a play-like setting. They get, mm -hmm. get up and act out your story so that person can see who they were and has the ability to change some things. It's transformation in itself. So I could go on. We have a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Give the information out again about how somebody... So there's, there's, there's services for people who are incarcerated, formerly incarcerated, or who is related to, know somebody who can, but there's also an opportunity for the community to help you and to donate. So who do you need to partner with you? Because there may be someone who's a teacher, who's a counselor, who's a, who are you looking for to help you on this journey of yours? We're really hoping to partner with someone that would help come in and teach GED prep. We have a fear around that. I mean, I know for me was a fear of math, just couldn't process it. And so really coming in, we partnered with Excel organization out there in Mission Hill JP area that allows the women to come in and accelerate their high set, you know, a GED. But just even starting that process is pretty scary. So we're hoping to get a professor or a teacher to come in and prep us on what that would look like prep us on our college um, career. Somebody might already have their high school diploma or GED coming out of prison and really want to go into college and feel like they've had that gap or that barrier that won't allow them to move forward. So to come in and, and do some prep education will be great. Um, do you need like, do you need uh, food? Do you need furniture? Do you need clothes? Do you need office? Clothes and suits? Do you need um, um, other uh, electronic devices? Do you need notepads, paper, pencils? We do. We need all that. We definitely <laughs> need food. We're fighting with the um, United States uh, Department of Agriculture for a machine so we could assist with the food stamp cards so we can mm -hmm. do some shopping. It's, it's costly. It's like $800 every two weeks or more to continue to buy food. So we definitely need funding for food. We need funding for more of our art supplies, our office supplies. We need paper to keep things going. We need paper when we do our intakes and psychosocials. Um, we have what's called, um, we have a boutique upstairs. We named it after uh, Marie Marshall, Tony Marshall, who was gonna be our 
um, case manager, and unfortunately, she passed away of ha she had a major stroke, and so oh, we wow. named that uh, boutique after Marie, Marie's boutique. And we always need those donations. Women need to be prepared for, you know, school or be prepared for a job interview or even to go into housing. We have a housing. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? We have a we have a employment. In housing coordinator that helps women overcome those barriers of facing mm -hmm. housing and mm -hmm. employment and we need to prepare them you know often we're gonna be denied housing and employment because of our quarry so really trying to um, dress them and prepare them for a briefcase we need we need that we need so that support in the few minutes we have left because I told you we, we're live and sometimes we can take phone calls but I knew you and I were going to start talking so tell me some of the legislative you know because in Boston it seems like it's in Massachusetts it always seems like it's an election there's an election this year <clears throat> excuse me for governor lieutenant governor uh, district attorney auditor secretary of state all those major um, and then there's also an election for the state senator. So what are some of the legislative things we need to look out for? I know there was a big fight to not have um, another woman's prison constructed. Has that been successful in keeping that from happening? And is there something else that we need to look out for that we can vote for or write our elected officials about? Yeah, definitely. We have the moratorium bill that's on the table. I want to say that it passed in the House, but it needs to be passed in the Senate. Um, that just means that put a halt on five years of building or restructuring a new prison in Massachusetts. Give the leadership of formerly incarcerated people who are doing the work in the community. We're on the grounds doing the work. You know, so we, we can really focus on resources, developing more resources in the community so our community, black and brown people, stop going to prison. We're asking for five years to allow us to do that and show you what we can do before you continue to build these prisons for our next generations. And we also have the no cost calls that has passed in the house. That really means that, you know, our family members have had the pressure of paying for these high cost phone calls when they want to talk to their loved ones in the prison system. So that has also passed and we're asking for it to pass in the Senate. And so, you know, a number of, of things we need Funding coming to resources and reentry for housing, for employment, for reentry, for community development. Invest in the community and not back into these carceral systems, such as these ankle bracelets and, you know, of course, putting somebody else in a cage. We are coming down to the last three minutes, if you can believe it. Um, so can you give out your contact information again, if you've got office clothes or office supplies, or if you are a teacher and you feel like you can help tutor someone in English and math or science, or if you just want to find out more about the program, tell them, Stacy. www.newbeginningsreentryservices.org. And you can call us. If you need some help, if you need some support for your loved one, we're at 617-299-2191. One last thing, and we've got about a minute. You went to Denmark, to uh, another country, other countries, to see how they handled their incarcerated people. What's the major difference? Oh, big difference. Scandinavia, I went to two prisons in Oslo and one in Denmark. And so they humanized their, their people. 
they give them all the support services. In 2014, their recidivism rate was 2%. Mm. 2% to United States, 97%. They got it right. They're giving them the support services. Their welfare service is the well-being of the human being. Mm. No punishing. There's no putting you in isolation, solitary confinement. There's all about creating skill sets so prepare them for their release. And that's why their recidivism rate is 2%. 2%. And in the United yeah. States, the land of the free, the home of the brave, as people are about to celebrate July 4th, which we just celebrated Juneteenth. That's another story for another day. Um, I yeah. want to thank my special, special guest, Stacey Borden, who's the founder and executive director, New Beginnings Reentry Services in Boston. In Boston, thank you so much, Stacy, and thank you so much for being here this evening. Don't forget about the Mask Ball, M-A-S-S-Q-B-A-L-L, that's going to be happening July 9th from 2 until 7 p.m. at the Arnold Arboretum. Thank you so much for being here for this evening. Thank you so much, Queen Stacy Borden, and thank you. God bless you. Take care of each other and yourselves. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. This has been Appreciate good. Listen, cause we're coming like a gang on the street, so you better start running. It's time for some action now. Historical progression, generations march in succession through 400 years. Hate, blood, sweat, and tears, and counting. The resistance is mounting. We are the uniters, and not the generation of fighters. When it gets hard, we charge. Get it twisted. Black women insisted. Show the world how they resisted. Alabama got rocked. The world was shocked that they did it. 98% got rid. In the face of an onslaught, 600,000. 